into another episode of the Dynamic Dialogue Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Danny Matranga, and today is going to be a little bit of story time. Normally, we have specific topics that we're going to cover, or we'll touch base on some of the questions that you guys ask directly of me, whether that's on Instagram or by going to my website and asking a question directly for the podcast. And I think this stuff is awesome. It's my preferred style of episode. But there is one question that keeps coming up over and over and over again that I know at some point I'm probably just going to need to answer and tell the whole story from beginning to end. And that is the question of what got me started in the fitness industry or how did you get to where you're at today? Those two questions are either asked as one question or they're asked very often. And I haven't really addressed them here on the podcast. So I felt for a very long time as though it would be quite egotistical to tell people my story, to tell them what I've been through, as though people would care. Because in my opinion, I think a lot of people are really egocentric. They think the world revolves around them. They think that everybody wants to hear their story. And I've really pushed away from that for a really long time. But a lot of people have asked. They enjoy the podcast. They enjoy the content. And I very much respect that they want to know what went into creating the person, the brand, the coach that I am today. Because a lot of people are inspired by the work that I do. And I, again, it sounds gross to even say I don't love the idea that I'm you know, telling the story. But it, I think it's an important one to tell. And I think enough people have asked that I need to get over my own insecurities of telling the story, right? Because that's a very real thing. And I know for a fact, some of you are going to be inspired by it. Many of you will be able to replicate it and get much farther than I was able to get in my life um, by hopefully learning from a lot of the mistakes I've made. And, and I'll be as honest as I can about those mistakes in the journey um, that got me to where I'm at now, operating a coaching business uh, online, in person, running the podcast. I have an amazing um, audience on Instagram that I'm just so, so grateful for. A modest audience. It's nothing huge. It's nothing crazy. I'm nothing special by any stretch. Um, but enough people have asked the question that I think I need to just answer it finally because I've kind of been ignoring it. So consider this the origin story. Consider this the story of how it all began, what got me into fitness. And I hope that you guys can learn from this because I will be exponentially more open about the mistakes, the trouble, um, the potholes, and the barriers than I would be on any other platform because I think it's important and I feel like I have a special connection with those of you who listen to the podcast. So buckle up. We'll tell a little story. I think you'll enjoy it about how I got started with fitness and how I got to where I am today. So the first thing that actually got me interested in health and the human body um, wasn't building muscle, wasn't getting girls, wasn't being better at sports. All of those things came down the road, but one of the most integral elements of who I am as a human being is the fact that my dad has a disease called Parkinson's disease that has effectively taken away his ability to walk. Um, it has taken away his ability to communicate well because the musculature and his vocal cords does not work very well. It's a degenerative neurological condition that affects your movement. And he has a very bad case of Parkinson's disease that he got very young and that was exacerbated by a lot of stress in his life that maybe we'll talk about. And when I was about 13, 14 years old, 
I wanted to learn everything I could about that condition and everything I could do to help my dad. And so I started doing a lot of research around nutrition. And that was the vehicle that got me interested in the human body. I became extremely intrigued by the fact that we can manipulate our physiology by what we put into our body, that the foods we make, the foods we prepare, the foods we eat, have an impact on our bodies beyond just calories, right? And we do, I mostly deal with clients now where we're working on body composition. So calories are really at the core of what we do. Um, but my initial venture into nutrition was how can I learn more about nutrition to protect my own health in the future? If I have a parent who has a condition that may or may not be genetic, they're not entirely sure about this yet. How can I work with my dad to help improve his life? with my knowledge of the body and nutrition. And so that's what got the ball rolling. And, you know, it was very difficult as a young person to watch my dad struggle and battle with this illness. So fitness and learning about nutrition really became something that I did to get away from it all. And it wasn't long after that that I started to learn about the ways that exercise can positively influence the body. Now, I was always active and very involved with sports, so exercising wasn't something that necessarily needed to be added to my life. I was already quite active, but I wanted to lift weights specifically because the more I learned about nutrition, the more I learned about protein, the more I learned about muscle, the more I said, hey, I should try to build some muscle. And of course, at this point in my life, I was about 14 years old. And so what became really, really important to me was getting attention from girls. And so after about a year of studying nutrition and learning as much as I could on my free time and maybe doing some push-ups and sit-ups and doing some workouts with the teams that I was on, I decided to get my first gym membership around 15 and a half at 16 years old. And I lifted like a complete moron during that time, but that was my first experience. I wanted to get more attention from women. I wanted to be stronger, perform better, and it really tied in well with what I was learning about nutrition and my fascination with the body. It also became a really big safe haven for me with a lot of the issues that I was dealing with in my life at the time. My dad was dealing with his illness. He was in an incredibly, uh, at this point, an incredibly tumultuous relationship with my stepmother that was extremely, extremely um, explosive. A lot of yelling, a lot of anger, very, very incompatible, very traumatic, a lot of name calling, a lot of me just staying up until one or two in the morning because the woman just would not stop yelling. And it was a very, very, very ugly relationship. Now, my parents had gotten divorced when I was seven, so it wasn't the first time I'd been exposed to a really, really nasty relationship. But this relationship had gotten to the point where at about 15, I approached my dad and said, hey, this is not going to work. You need to get out of this. And this was a difficult conversation to have because this is my father that I was talking to about his marriage being deleterious to my life and his disease. The stress of this marriage was literally expediting the rate at which this disease progressed. So he actually moved out of the childhood home that I grew up in that he had built. Um, and we moved into a house that was like five minutes from the gym. So I started going to the gym every single day and that became my safe haven. Now, one of the pre preliminary issues that I ran into early in my fitness journey was battling with orthorexia or this obsession with clean eating. 
and only eating healthy foods. So in high school, I was really focused on my workouts, but I would not eat pizza. I wouldn't eat processed foods. All I allowed myself to eat was what I believed to be clean from the research that I was doing on my own. And so I was eating chicken breast, broccoli, tilapia, green beans. I was juicing with my Jack LaLanne juicer that I asked for for Christmas, beets, carrots, kale, like a total hippy-dippy, uh, in the weeds, massive orthorexic freak. And I would not touch any junk food um, with the rare exception of a few times where my friends and I would be, you know, out and about doing what high school kids do. And then all you could get was like a jack-in-the-box taco at three in the morning. And so most of my initial exposure to nutrition was extremely rigid, um, borderline orthorexic, obsession with clean foods, obsession with eating what I believed to be healthy. Um, and I was pairing this with working out five to six days a week, um, going to school, I was playing sports, uh, I was dealing with some of the stressors from my dad's illness, and my mom wasn't really involved, my biological mother was not really involved in my life much at all um, during this time. So I started to have a lot more on my plate than the average person at this age, but I really used the gym and food as a way to control a lot of what felt like in my life was not controllable. And that was a good thing and also a bad thing. I, I did not perform very well in school, even though I had the cognitive abilities to perform well, because I didn't care. I felt like there was not a lot to look forward to in life besides the gym and controlling my food. And, you know, I couldn't do much to help my dad. It was hard to watch. I grew up in a town that did not have a lot of opportunity, not a lot to look forward to, a lot of poverty. There were a lot of drug problems in the town. And so I wasn't really exposed to a bunch of people um, who I could model my behavior after. There weren't a lot of trainers, for example, in the town that I grew up in. I can think of maybe one guy in the whole town that kind of did something that resembled personal training. Um, and, you know, at that point, I was like, I have no direction. I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, my grades aren't very good. I'm, I, my, I, I'm going to apply to schools because that's what people told me to do. Um, and thankfully, I got a good enough grade on my SATs that my, like, 3.0, 2.9 cumulative GPA got me into a California state school that just wasn't all that great. Um, but I was able to get in. I was able to squeeze my way in with relatively bad grades. I even remember I was failing my Algebra 2 class as a senior in high school. Not failing, but getting a D-, and D- don't really get you into college. You have to have better grades. At the time, I believe you could not have a, a D on your report card and get accepted into a California university. You could get into a California state university, but not a UC. And so... I ended up going to the teacher and basically saying like, hey, it, can you drop off some of the missing homework assignments so I can get like a C minus and I'll never bug you again. This is like the last week of school and this lady just rolls her eyes and deletes these assignments and she saved my ass <laughs> probably the more that I think about it because that allowed me to move about three hours from where I grew up to uh, the town, the community that I live in now where I did my undergraduate education. And I didn't have, my, my parents never uh, 
they didn't have any inclination about helping me pay my way through school. So it was going to be a student loan slash work your way through school type of experience. So I immediately started work looking for jobs. And the first job that made sense to me with the knowledge that I built about nutrition and the body and supplements was the vitamin shop. And there was a vitamin shop by the apartment that I was living at with one of my best friends at the time. We decided to move down uh, together. He went to the local junior college. I went to the state school. Fun fact, everybody in the community always talks about how that junior college was a better education than the state school anyway. And had I been able to do it all again, I would have certainly gone to the junior college first. But I applied at the vitamin shop. I got interviewed. I got offered the job. I had to wait about a month. And I showed up for the job on my first day on my way home from school. And... I knew the minute I started walking up to the building that something was wrong because the manager who had interviewed me was working the front desk and he looked at me and his pupils dilated like crazy. And when I walked in, he immediately started rambling and bumbling and stumbling over his words until he eventually spit out that, hey, buddy, I know we talked about you starting soon, but I need, if it's possible, uh, for you to wait a couple more months, I had to give your job to a transfer. And I was like, are you kidding me? I'm down to less than $1,000 in my bank account, and I need to get a job. And so I decided right then and there that the best thing for me to do was to get a job as a personal trainer because I had been working out. I had had some experience in the gym. I really liked fitness. It was the only thing I was passionate about, and it would allow me to have some freedom around my schedule, or so I thought at the time. And so I spent 700 of my last $1,000 on the NASM self-study test, and I studied every single day before, dur during, and after school for about two weeks. And one of the things that I did when I did this study was I would go to the 24-hour fitness. That was where I got my first job that was right next to the university. I didn't use the school gym because I felt like the 24-hour fitness had a lot more to offer. And that was what I spent my very limited income on at the time was gym memberships and supplements, of course. And, of course, I've learned a lot from that, but that's why I rail against these things so hard. And so... I would go and work out every morning, bright and early, 4 o'clock, I'd wake up, I'd drive to the gym, I'd work out, and then I would go to my 7 a.m. class after I took a shower. But I'd finish my workout around 6, I'd post myself in the lobby of the gym, and I'd read that book right in front of the manager's office. I wanted this dude to know what I was working on, and I wanted to get hired at this gym, because it was so much cooler than the gym in my town, I thought it was awesome, it was beautiful, I wanted this job, I wanted to work here. And eventually, I got the dude's attention, and he said, hey, let me let me give you a shot. We'll, we'll get you positioned for an interview next week. Um, I can't say that I'm going to give you the job. You know, things are tough. Uh, finding good trainers is hard. You're really green. You're really young. We'll see. That was all bullshit. They fucking hired anybody. They'd hire anybody because it was all about having a certain number of trainers. This manager at that point, I don't think had any intention of helping me be successful. They just wanted to hire me and have me ask people if they could work out or if I could show them some things. So if I was fortunate enough to sell some training, the gym would make some money. This was never a situation that was designed to help me, but I thought it was the shit. So I went home. I was super pumped, ready for the interview. And when I got back to my apartment, I realized that my one of probably my best friend at the time had packed up all of his shit and left. He had literally packed up all of his shit and left. 
And that was one of the most unbelievably difficult things to deal with because I didn't have the coping skills to deal with that level of loss. It felt like I'd been abandoned. And I understand now that my friend left because that wasn't the community he wanted to be in. He had other friends in other areas, and you can go to a junior college anywhere. But I was really emotionally wrecked. And then about a week later, the girl who I was dating, who was at that time kind of my high school sweetheart, decided to text me and let me know that she had cheated on me. And so at that moment, I had pretty much hit 18-year-old's version of rock bottom. Now, I'll hit rock bottom many more times, but that was absolutely devastating. Uh, And that was actually the week that I was scheduled to take my test. Now, thankfully, took the test, passed the test, got the job. Things went really, really well. Really, really happy. I was so pumped. I felt like I was on top of the world, even though I didn't have any clients. I just had a shirt that said personal trainer. It felt like finally things are starting to go my way. And then I got evicted from my apartment because I didn't have any money. Um, (laughs) And so I moved across town with another friend, Josh, who I went to high school with, who is one of my better friends. He's somebody who I ended up working with down the line as a personal trainer who I hired because we were both into fitness. And we shared a 10 by 10 room in a two bedroom apartment in quite possibly the worst part of town. Uh, Nobody at the apartment complex spoke English. It was a a largely Latin community. And so mostly Mexicans, mostly Latinos living stuffed into these apartments. Me and my buddy were doing the exact same things. And that was actually really good for me because I got to see a side of life that I never got to see before. I got to live in an environment that I had been exposed to before, but it was not ideal. And so I was living with my friend Josh. We had I had next to no clients. I was very new at this job, still dealing with the frustration of, you know, losing your high school sweetheart, feeling like me and my buddy just completely fractured. Um, And I was like, the only way that I can control my life, again, with food and with exercise, is to build my business. And so every single moment that I was not at school, I was in that gym. And I would get there at 4 a.m. to work out. I'd stay there from like 5 to 7 or 6 to 7 at the front desk until I had to go to class trying to see who I could get to work out with me. I'd come back at 3 and I'd stay till 9 or 10 because I had nothing else to do. I had no friends, right? I wasn't in a fraternity. I was, the, I was, I was just a kid at school who didn't even live on campus because I couldn't afford it. So the social stuff was shitty. My girlfriend had pretty much left me. One of my best friends had left me. I had one friend who worked different hours and didn't get home till nine. So I would come home at like seven, eight, nine o'clock every night and I'd have a bunch of consultations. And so I would do everything I could for months and months and months until I got to a point where I was doing, after about six months of this, 120 to 160 sessions a month at this gym. And I did this for two years straight until I was one of the most successful people in the company with regards to driving revenue and servicing sessions. And meanwhile, I was going to school for kinesiology. So I was applying the stuff I was learning at school at the gym. And that was a really, really amazing way to learn, amazing way to reinforce the right stuff. And it's one of the biggest reasons why when people ask me, should I just be a personal trainer or should I go to school to be a personal trainer? I say, why not do both? It really made a big difference for me. A lot of the success I was having um, in that corporate world, I felt aligned me to get promoted and moved into management. So I applied for a promotion. I didn't get it. 
I applied again a year later, and I did get it, and I moved into middle management. But one of the themes of this story is just simply powering through rejection in life. One of the reasons I've been able to accomplish the modest accomplishments I have in this space is because I just didn't quit. And I'm not saying this because I think I'm special. I'm saying this in the hopes that if you're running into some friction in your life or you're having some trouble, whether you're somebody who's looking at what I've done and you want to do the same thing or you've done and accomplished more than I have and you just want to learn from my mistakes or learn from some of the tumult and some of the stuff I've overcome, it really just comes down to the theme of being rejected but not quitting. And so I worked in middle management at the 24-hour fitness for a year and I hired trainers, I developed trainers, I brought them on. Um, I met some of the best friends I've ever had, lifetime friends working in this building. And then I applied to run the department when one of my best friends moved on to take the biggest job at the corporate headquarter club and super congratulatory for him. And uh, I felt like I was aligned to get the job, but I got rejected for the promotion. And then I got rejected again for the promotion. And it had been a lot of like, hey, you know, you're just not going to move into management because you make too much money as a trainer. We need to keep you training and you're too young. Being too young was a big theme of my early professional career. I'm 25 now, and so managing these gyms at what would have then been 22, 21, 22, was kind of problematic for the company, and I can respect that. But it got really, really frustrating really, really fast. So I said, I'm done here. I'm over it. I've been jaded for a while, so I'm going to start an online coaching business so that I can support myself and leave the gym because they did not want you to leave the gym and take your clients. They would fire you if they even got even the slightest inclination that you were thinking about leaving because they didn't care about you. They didn't care about your business. They didn't care about your clients. They cared that your clients continued to resign and stay at the gym. And that is one of the problems about working in the corporate space is it can get a little doggy dog. It can get a little greedy. And so fortunately, I had made some awesome relationships and I had some people who thought that I had a lot of potential. One of them was Adam uh, Schaefer over at Mind Pump. And this was somebody who, from the first time I met them, really said, hey, I think you have some potential. I don't know what I can offer you yet, but hopefully I can offer you something in the future. And two years later, right when I got super jaded at this job and I was trying to move into the online coaching space and I had maybe five, 10 clients at the time, Adam said, Hey, why don't you come down and do some YouTube videos for us over at mind pump? And so I started doing that and I would go down there on the weekends and I would film for about eight to 10 hours to make eight to 10 YouTube videos. Um, and that was really good for elevating my ability to speak publicly it was a great network opportunity. I met another group of amazing people, got closer with some really awesome people, and I decided to quit my job at the 24-Hour Fitness. And surprisingly, I had built up enough of a positive reputation. I had done enough good work that nobody tried to make me pay for it. Nobody tried to fire me. Nobody tried to take my clients. I just got to walk away and train all my clients at a personal training studio just down the street. It was perfect. It was the best exit ever. And so I was making way more money keeping everything that my clients gave me. I was training clients from about 5 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Wednesday. On uh, Wednesday, I would train from 5 a.m. till about 1 p.m., get in the car, drive down two hours to film uh, content, wake up the next day, film some more content, come back Thursday, train a little bit in the evening, 
train all day Friday, and then I would work mostly on my online client stuff on the weekend. So I was pulling like 70 to 90 hour weeks at this point. And this had become extremely normal for me because going all the way back to when I was younger, I would bury myself in work or bury myself in training or bury myself in anything to get away from dealing with the stress and the bullshit of my personal life. And, you know, I got to examine this a little bit later and we'll get to this story in a minute. Um, but that was quite possibly the busiest I've ever been. It challenged me. I learned a lot, but I was able to grow and scale a coaching business to a place where I was completely financially secure, able to live the life I want in the community I want, in the home I want. And that had been all that I'd ever really wanted, especially when I go back and consider the scarcity of like, you know, having problems and stability with my parents, money being an issue a lot, getting evicted from apartments, feeling like I was, you know, struggling in relationships. A lot of that was solved by just going out, taking the risk, going out on my own and burying myself in my work. Um, and th there were some amazing opportunities along the way, but most of them were born of just when shit got tough or when I got rejected, I just got up and I kept trying. And when I went independent, I met some amazing trainers at the new studio. It was awesome. I was loving my life. Things were amazing. Started the podcast actually right around the end of my tenure at the studio. But when COVID hit, I said, hey, I'm just going to take a bunch of the money that I've been sitting on and turn my garage into a gym. And I built out this awesome garage gyms training studio space where I could train my clients with a mask very safely. Uh, you know, and that, that has become my new normal. I love it. I actually don't work as much now as I did a year ago. I make more. I have more clientele online. I have a better relationship with the people who engage with me on social media. I'm able to do the podcast. Um, a lots of awesome stuff has come my way. Um, I got the opportunity along the road to develop uh, and work with some of the best trainers and some of my best friends in the space. So I now have a career where I'm entirely in charge of my schedule. I am basically able to train clients in person when and if I feel like it, as often as I want, when I want. I have a roster of some of the most amazing clients who I work with virtually all over the world. I have this podcast and I have, you know, my different social channels. And a lot of all of that is available to me because of people like you who will listen to me talk. Um, but that was born of the struggle. That was born of, you know, having to deal with some of the stressors of having sick, disengaged parents, right? Um, having to deal with taking more on my plate and being more responsible at an early age, getting evicted, being cheated on, not just by the high school girlfriend, but the next girlfriend I dated after that. And those were traumas. And that's stuff that I went to therapy for. That's stuff that I worked through. I didn't make it to where I'm at. And I'm not saying that I'm at some awesome top of the mountain place. I'm just happy with where I'm at. And I'm very grateful to be where I am. I want more. I'm proud of what I've accomplished, but I'm not satisfied. But I'm very proud. And I'm very happy with what I have because I felt what it's like to have nothing. And Simply battling and pushing through that rejection is kind of the common theme. All I did was I just made a pact that I wasn't going to quit and I was going to do what I could to keep going. 
And even though that meant working 40 to 45 hours a week when I was taking 16 to 18 units to get my degree, which then became working 75 to 90 hour weeks when I was managing 40 sessions a week, plus 15 online clients, plus filming eight to 10 YouTube videos every single week. It was work, 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 push, push, push. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't let anybody tell you you're not good enough. If it's worth it, if you love it, you are going to make it happen. And so that's kind of the lesson here. I didn't get where I am because of some formulaic, easy to follow, let me tell you exactly what to do process. I got to where I'm at because I learned to be tenacious, not to quit, to keep going, to keep learning. And knowledge and expanding my knowledge has probably been the remedy for all of it. To just say, hey, nobody's going to tell me that I'm not going to be able to be smart enough. If, if I can't control my situation, if I can't control that my parents are sick, if I can't control <laughs> what, what my partners are going to do with what my friends are going to do, I can control me. I can control my behaviors. I can control what I work and I can control what I learn. And I think that for most trainers, that would be the advice I'd give them. All of our journeys to success will look different based on who we are, what we want to do, what we've been exposed to, the communities we're in. Right? Some of us want to make more. Some of us want to make less. Some of us want to be full-time. Some of us want to be part-time. Some of us want to be online. Some of us want to be in person. I can effectively say that whatever it is that you want to accomplish, you'll get there a hell of a lot faster if you make a pact to be tenacious, not quit, and to charge through rejection and hardship and friction instead of giving up. When that stuff pushes its way into your life, you need to push through it. Many times that friction and rejection is exactly what you need to go through to make it happen. And we're going to talk about a lot of this stuff in the mentorship program that I'm launching soon. We're talking about the business. We're talking about scaling. We're talking about developing your general knowledge, your specific knowledge, how to have good assessments, how to sell without feeling like you're selling, all the shit that I've learned along the way that helped me be successful, all the stuff in between, right? It's already the, the manuscript for the um, just the PowerPoints is like a 60-page Word document. So there is a ton of information in here about all of the different business systems, coaching systems, how to do it online, how to generate leads, how to sell your leads, how to schedule, how to cancel, how to make sure you're getting paid what you're worth, how to raise your prices, how to maximize your time, how to learn what certifications are worth your money, what certifications aren't worth your money, what books are you going to read that are going to fundamentally change your career. Stuff that I've learned that have helped me be successful and have helped the literally fucking hundreds of coaches I've crossed paths with, whether I've hired and developed them or worked with them or met them through networking. This is the distillation of all of that. But beyond everything in the mentorship, the singular most important piece of advice I would give any single trainer, coach, or fitness enthusiast who just wants to accomplish something is to do the best you can to keep pushing when shit gets tough because it will it will be hard there will be friction but life tends to reward people who keep pushing even when it's easier to quit and so my story isn't anything unique my accomplishments in my opinion aren't anything unique I feel very fortunate to be where I'm at I'm proud I'm not satisfied I would never tell the story as a means of gloating or trying to come across as look what I've done look what I've battled through I have been very fortunate. There are people in this world who have an exponentially harder life than me. I don't think that I am some self-made man type of person. I think that the self-made man uh, 
adage is a myth. I think that if you have been exposed to trauma or difficulty or things that aren't easy and you're quote-unquote self-made, you should be very grateful for those hardships because you were not made by you. You were made by overcoming your exposure to tough shit. And people can pave the way for you. They can pay for you to do things. You can have every opportunity in the fucking book. But... There is something to be said for having to do it on your own. And I had to do that a lot. I had a lot of amazing people give me a lot of amazing opportunities. But that was born from having to do a ton of shit on my own very early. And I am eternally grateful for that. And I would never change a thing. So if you're here thinking you can't do it because life is hard... Life is tough. I don't have the same face or the same social media or the same body or the same opportunity or the same parents as these other coaches. Fuck it. That doesn't matter. Your clients, the people whose lives you're going to change, the number one thing you're going to be able to connect with them on is mutual suffering, mutual hardship, the fact that you both want to accomplish something. They want to lose weight. They want to gain muscle. They want to change their body. They're not happy. They're not healthy. And you can meet them there because you've had your own struggles. Maybe you have your struggles with your fitness. Maybe it was more like me where you had struggles in your personal life that you had to overcome. But don't run from that shit and don't think for a second that it's going to prevent you from reaching what you want to accomplish because I would bet my ass that a trainer or somebody who wants to help people who has struggled, who has suffered, who knows that pain is going to do 10 times better than somebody who doesn't. So guys, that's my story. Hopefully it resonates. I do apologize if it seems a little pretentious to tell the story, but a lot of you have asked and I really wanted to give it the time on a podcast here this week to show what it's all about and show kind of the um, behind the scenes stuff that I don't talk about too much on social media. So if you guys are interested in the mentorship, click the link in the show notes, join the mailing list. It will be launching very soon. I can promise you this. It's going to be exponentially more affordable than almost every other uh, trainer mentorship out there. It's going to have a ton of supplemental stuff. It's going to be something that you'll get an absolute boat load out of. It's going to be very honest, very transparent. I'm not going to bullshit you. I'm going to give you exactly what I think you need at a price that I don't think anybody's going to be able to beat. So I can't wait to see you guys in there. Hopefully I'll see you in the mentorship. If not, I'll check in with you on social media and I expect you to hear from me very soon on the next episode of the podcast. Thanks you guys. Have a good one.